Borb presents Eeny, Meeny, Miny Magic. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And this is Gwen Static. Yeah, and uh, yeah, our first guest for Orb. Listeners know Gwen as the composer of our theme song. Mm-hmm. Or on the Slack. Uh, I've been there for, gosh, five years now, guys. Something like that, yeah. That's, uh, that Slack, is, uh, it's, it's, it's been around for a minute. A half decade of frippery. <laughs> of just, just yep. uh, a, a consistent time sink. <laughs> um, can uh, we're really happy to have you. Uh, we're friends with Gwen. Mm-hmm. Um, when we used to be able to do conventions yes. in real life, uh, we would hang out with Gwen a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, really happy to have you. Yeah. Oh, man. That one year, 2016, where I was able to catch both shows, that was a pretty good year until it all, you know, the other part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> until it was not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, get into talking about this episode, which is a good one that you specifically requested, um, can you, uh, I should have warned you about this, would you talk just a little bit about uh, what approach you took to the theme song? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was mainly thinking of two specific uh, J.G. Thurwell tracks. I don't think I ever knew how to pronounce his name until I heard you guys <laughs> say it out loud. I suddenly um, got very self-conscious that we were saying it poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just. I feel like I had a different instinct when I read it. Anyway, mm. um, I I've never really listened to a, a whole ton of his like music just outside of the context of the show. But I, I spun the OST album while I was kind of like synthesizing the um, the feel of it all. And mm-hmm. two main tracks really stood out. And like I had to. I had to look at the theme song of the Venture Brothers because that that's just such a tone setting piece of music. Um, it's bombastic and uh, industrial in all the ways that the show kind of needs you to know what it is before you even get on board. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, the other track, uh, you even called out the specific track I was thinking of in the mm-hmm. Careers in Science episode. I don't know what it's called, but it's the zoom, 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 zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it's, and the, the drums are very specifically recalling that song. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just yeah. I, I I walk around the house humming the bass line from the from, <laughs> from, from the theme song to this, which I can I can do without feeling like feeling like an asshole because uh because I didn't write it. <laughs> it, was, it was somebody I else. walk around Cole's house humming the guitar line, and together we're the worst acapella group. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. If we are ever able to do like a high definition remaster of that theme song, I would mm-hmm. love to get that bass line played on an actual like upright bass. Oh yeah, because I think mm. that's where it will really pop like that. Yeah, yeah. get get it real, uh, get it real jazzy, real jazzy and boomy. Hmm. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, so you know, we're only doing a few guests per season, and we reached out to the guests to see what episodes they wanted to do, and you chose uh, this one. Uh, what is? Uh, tell 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 us about that. Um, season one had a few really good options. I didn't want to be the jerk who took tag sailor it because I think that's kind of <laughs> universally agreed. One. Yeah. <laughs> who grabbed that one? <laughs> <laughs> Why well, wanted someone else to have the opportunity? Because I feel like that's the canonically 
the best episode of season one. It's a really good episode. Mm-hmm. It has every right to for that title. But um, when I was looking at the episodes, uh, the I mean, there's a few reasons. A big one is mm-hmm. like uh, Triana, not the best character, still a character I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, Doctor Orpheus, his whole thing. I thought just unlocked so many layers of the show's universe in a way that was so additive to just the overall presentation. I feel like once Orpheus is in, you firmly know that, okay, this is basically Marvel comics. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moving into more Marvel stuff has always been made me really happy uh, with with the show, just because that's my, my flavor of dorkery Uh, and and (laughs) having the, the Dr. Strange XB, uh, was huge into just signaling to me that this was made for me. Yeah. Um, and this episode, recording another one in this session, um, we're just really big, like, hey, this is for you, Gary. Like, <laughs> buddy, we got you covered. The fact that when they decided to take it in a bit of a Marvel direction, the first kind of overt reference they put in was Doctor Strange also speaks to kind of an aesthetic, uh, you know, and maybe a particular obsession with weird media uh, that I vibe with more. Like if they started with the Brown Widow or if they started with basically the Avengers, like they eventually got Mm -hmm. to in 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 season seven, um, that would have been, I think, a worse choice, actually. Mm. It also helps that that Dr. Orvius himself not only has an amazing performance, um, but uh, it like is one of the more relatable characters in, in, in this, in this whole cartoon to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Relatable and like stands as a pretty good foil to Dr. Venture in absolutely. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, like it, explicitly, mm-hmm. you know, and this episode gets that right out the gate, which I really love. Like later they'll do an episode that is about, um, the science versus magic, but this is the good, you know, absolute monster versus somebody who is traditionally seen as a monster, mm-hmm. you know, who doesn't have this prestige uh, as a necromancer who is actually like a really, you know, there's, there's something about um, TV shows about rough, mostly bad people mm-hmm. where uh, the decent ones just stand out. Um, I think about that a lot with Deadwood, no. you know, like, like you're watching Deadwood and you're just like, man, you know, uh, the, uh, the name is escaping right now. The, the minor guy who marries the banker, mm-hmm. like what a good guy, <laughs> you know, he's just like a good person in this show, yeah. you know? And that's how I think about Dr. O like he's flawed, but he's, is just like morally good, mm-hmm. you know, a decent person, yeah. uh, you know, it, full of monsters, like absolute monsters. And they, they have, uh, Dr. Venture do one of the more monstrous things. <laughs> uh, and this, we cut back to, you know, Brock's kind of the origins of a dis- his disregard for human life, <laughs> you know, um, like, uh, in his, the self-justification that he gives himself, mm-hmm. uh, through his pineal gland, like all of that stuff. And then we just have this one character who is just really trying, mm-hmm. Uh, and I really love it. Yeah. Um, just, <laughs> just the fact that like, okay, we have a scientist, whatever, completely inhuman. We have somebody who literally spends a lot of time in the other world and like has really grounded concerns and cares. Um, I like enough can't be said about the way that he's written too. like the fact that he is an outlet for this flowery, almost like, you know, 18th or 18th and 19th century poetry. Um, and just the antiquated way that he decides to address people, you know, there are a couple of lines that I highlighted in this, but like there are four portions of pudding in the, (laughs) in the fridge, you may avail yourself to the contents of one. Oh, it's all Orpheus is just so good. I don't, I wonder whose voice that like, is it hammer or Jackson? Who's where that voice lives? Cause that voice is just so 
crystal clear from the get-go yeah so i like i and the the book the art book makes it sound like uh, so the idea for the doctor strange character came from public whereas hammer was the one who kind of was more more in love with the antiquated language right yeah the, the, the visual design <laughs> yeah. came from public and kind of the, the impetus but they also they talked about hanging around the astro base and just kind mm-hmm. of impersonating marvel characters yes and doctor you know this <laughs> is doctor strange is easy and, and fun to you know <laughs> impersonate like that whole by the by the eye of agamotto stuff uh is i imagine if you're these two goofballs living the stream life in this art studio like that would yeah. be real easy to slip into. And also, mm-hmm. I mean, I want to talk about the name for just a second. So naming him Byron, like Lord Byron, you know, who wrote all this overwrought romantic poetry, but specifically Orpheus, not just because of like Orphic magic, but like when, you know, his backstory, you know, he comes in as this divorced dad who is obsessed with his wife still. Like he, he still believes that he, they can get back together with her Orpheus in mythology being the person who literally went to hell and rescued a person he loved but then screwed everything up by looking back mm-hmm. <laughs> or if he is being like <laughs> fixated on the past as like this uh the, this uh fatal flaw uh is incredibly mwah, chef's kiss really good yeah. oh yeah absolutely yeah um you know so obviously uh you know this this episode originally aired uh, september 4th 2004 that's not the obvious part the <laughs> obvious part is that uh <laughs> just in case you couldn't tell from the tone of my voice um the uh but the episode you know introduces dr orpheus and dr strange is obviously an influence the other big influence uh is a character named dim twilight who showed up in the last season of the tick it didn't show up um, that that was not per- produced uh like it was, it was in written this, for the last season written for it yes yeah okay uh, you know, so that, that was the, the idea. That's something that Jackson public brought over from the tick. Mm-hmm. Um, and this uh, episode has some first in it other mm-hmm. than just Dr. Orpheus and Triana, obviously, uh, this is also the most origin we get for Brock, mm-hmm. um, in the art book, there's some stories about, you know, things that they were going to bring up. Yeah. Uh, and in the commentary, the other thing being, uh, the learning bed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, kind of thing, which is is played for more trauma here than it is later. Yeah, <laughs> like later, it's a more profound trauma. Here, it sounds more like straight up abuse. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that yeah. Dean um, line is one of my favorites in the first season, though so, it gets hot in there. <laughs> but uh i just i just love these things because like this is the episode that like hammers home you know you've got these kids who we've only ever seen on adventures like oh they would be just you know no offense to people who are homeschooled they would be several order of orders of magnitude beyond that they have never interacted with another kid yeah and and that stuff is highly relatable yeah. like the scenes where dean is trying to talk to triana uh were incredibly relatable awkwardness <laughs> um this is this is probably the best episode so far i think so uh, for me that we've covered like this is gonna unseat uh dia de los dangerous for me mm-hmm. um you know it's the best one we've done so far this is like so quotable yeah mm-hmm. um this was this was the episode i showed uh my then girlfriend eventual wife eventual ex-wife uh <laughs> to try to get her to watch the show with me mm. um <laughs> because i was just like you know this is just like listen to Dean say, I dare you to make less sense. Like, isn't that, yes. funny? Like, isn't that a good delivery? Uh, you know, and, and got her, got her to watch it with me, even though she never quite went as deep mm-hmm. as I did. And I divorced her. Cause that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's how it that's, goes. That's what, yeah. That's what you do. That's what happens. It, it, the priorities. Differences. Yeah. 
Um, we never consummated, so an annulment was in order. Um, <laughs> but it's totally normal. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, geez. <laughs> Do we want to get into it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I have, I have a bunch of little trivia bits and, and stuff that will come up as we get through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want to land on Triana when we get there, but we can get there. First. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So we get our cold open. Uh, Rusty is dreaming of being strangled in the womb by another fetus. This is the first real mm-hmm. like like time they land on that beat again after the uh, the pilot and the first couple of episodes. They didn't know what they were doing with this in the pilot, but here they knew that the other um, that the other fetus was going to be his brother. Yeah, Jonas Jr. What I think is interesting about the fetus segments in the first season, I like, I don't know. I can't see it with fresh eyes anymore. But when I was first watching it back in the season one, like 2004 contemporary days, I always like I liked that it was ambiguous when you saw the dreams that you didn't know which fetus was which. Mm -hmm. Um, So It's very reasonable to interpret that he's the one getting his head chewed on and having that stress dream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, we don't know. It's like, um, uh, Bart with the twin or um, Xavier's twin. <laughs> the scars on the wrong side. Yeah. Yeah. Scars on the York Sandra Nova. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you kind of going through the, this, this, uh, this nightmare house. I love that they, you know, they seeded that so early. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock is also having a rough dream thinking about the time he accidentally killed somebody in college. Um, I love Brock's mustache. <laughs> like, old Brock is great. Yep. Oh God, um, Brock in the '70s, where he kind of like got stuck, right? Like mm-hmm. this is absolutely, you know, they make a joke of that later. It's kind of a joke now that he is, you know, the '70s holdover. Um, but yeah, you can totally see. Oh, this this is a trauma that he has here. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, the boys are playing with a Ouija board, um, and Dean asks if he'll find true love, and the presence of magic causes the Ouija board to work. <laughs> Uh, as dark Dr. Orpheus emerges from a pod in the lab. Yeah. Uh, here is our introduction to the, the visual design of Dr. Orpheus, which lo- is more serious than like most of the designs in the show. Yeah. Like this just looks like an alternate costume and like ultimate Alliance for Dr. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> like, this, is, this is legit cool. Yeah. Um, it's very ornate. I love his medallion. Um, uh, mm-hmm. the thing that I love trophy. about his, uh, <laughs> the Dracula trophy. <laughs> <laughs> um but just but, but, but another thing i really enjoy when he takes his cloak off it's just like a like a smoking jacket like he becomes mm-hmm. like casual dad when that cloak is not on <laughs> um orpheus like in general like his entire aesthetic is seriousness like he takes his job more seriously than almost anyone you've met in the show so far and everywhere he walks he's accompanied by this super serious and uh intense trumpet line <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah just incredible piece of music and then it, you know they they end up playing this for comedy a lot uh one of the things that happens in the next episode we're talking about is they talk about how hard it is to express how something will be funny on the page that will end up funny on the screen mm-hmm. and i think this is one of those things where like hey we're gonna seed this dramatic music with everything he says uh and then when eventually he just starts saying normal things mm-hmm. and we use that music like yeah. promise you know trust us it will be funny yeah like the joke um, is this guy never go never goes below an eight <laughs> like, yeah on the intensity level and that is fun yeah the uh the they talk about on the commentary they talk about the metal uh there that being born of an inside joke 
um, where they talked, you know, all the Draculas have this little uh, award, and they're talking about getting it for Dracula in high school, <laughs> like the Dracula event. Um, and that's why all the Draculas have a Dracula trophy. Yeah, just because um, Doc Cameron misspoke instead of saying medallion, like Dracula medallion yeah. is a Dracula trophy. Um. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Um, uh, the commentary for this episode is extremely broy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. it, in- it includes a like, which character and doctor on the Venture Brothers would you want to have sex with? Right. Uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it's, it's it's a pretty broy commentary. Yeah, and it and it comes down to like, um, <laughs> oh god, they say like, oh Molotov, but she's dangerous. Triana, I guess. Well, she's seventeen. It's like a it's like a like a Paris thing. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little yeah. bit queasy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not great. And nobody, you know, it takes a long time for people to land on the correct doctor girlfriend. Correct. Uh, thanks. <laughs> you know, so yeah. eventually they get to the, you know, the ultimate thirst trap in the show. And then they, you know, so. Uh, I like that they introduced Dr. Orpheus as a threat. Like this cold open has him be like this interloper who's going to come in and, you know, he, he kills helper and he puts the boys to sleep, but then he's immediately mm-hmm. a nice guy. He's just the tenant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, wake up, you know, next morning, uh, Dean is waking up his dad to tell him they got hypnotized by a man with a Dracula trophy. Uh, you know, we get some, some bad dadding. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rusty is super upset that he had, he had woke him up. Um, and he eventually says, you know, reveals like, no, 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 this is a guy who's racing or renting a uh, space on the compound. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says no more night stalker reruns for you, mister, uh, <laughs> which is a reference to Kolchak, the night stalker, uh-huh. uh, which was a seventies TV show about a supernatural detective. That was Fuck. a big influence on the X-Files. Fucking love it. I love that. Just the casual night stalker drop. <laughs> is uh, is this something that you guys, do you guys actually watch this? I've never, this is my only exposure to this piece of media. Yeah, I've, I've seen uh, episodes of it. Like, just it ran like late night USA or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I had like, never heard of it. So there's only like 20 episodes of it. So I thought mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, okay. But you've seen it on USA. Great, <laughs> something like that. Well, like <laughs> I was real young. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was TBS or TNT. One of those. <laughs> you Turner <know>. Classic. <laughs> the, Classics, um, there's also a movie, and then at one point, uh, it converts into a show called The Night Strangler. <laughs> Which what I don't know if that's just the glow up for the night stalking. Wait, okay, I thought this guy. I thought this guy solved mysteries. Is it like mm-hmm. Night Stalker? Does not sound like he's the person who solves the crime. Right, he's the mystery of the unchoked neck. Just <laughs> 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 when the Night Stalker gets fed up, the, he turns to the strangler. <laughs> gotta get to the bottom of this trachea. <laughs> <laughs> Grab the handle, push the button. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Um but this is where we get the first uh the first Dr. Orpheus behold uh performance mm-hmm. um and uh the 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 sting. Um like the the voice actor for this, uh Steven Retazzo, he's just like an off-Broadway guy. Kind of like comes from mm-hmm. the same the same crop that they pulled uh Molotov's uh voice actress from. Mia Baron. Yeah, that, I was I I've had that theory for a while that I think a lot of the less recognizable voice actors are literally just whoever they can get in New York at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it works out for the better. Yeah. Um so Orpheus says, you know, he he killed the robot uh, to protect him because he witnessed you know would witness the impossible. None of that really like adds up to very much like later Orpheus acts like he doesn't know <laughs> what's going on with the machine, but it, it's yeah. all fine. Yeah. Um, and I love this arc, knowing what ha- comes later in the show of 
uh, Rusty putting on this polite front because he needs the money <laughs> only as long as he has to. But then as soon as, like, again, um, with the Brisby episode, as soon as Rusty is disrespected, which will happen in the uh, the magic versus science episode, mm-hmm. then then it's done. And then at that point, Dr. Orpheus is a nuisance. Yes him like he's really sucking up to him at this point like trying to present as a professional but that that tank only has so much gas for rusty <laughs> because one of rusty's defining traits is he has no patience whatsoever yeah and he's extremely proud of not a whole lot you know uh, which which makes sense having the the childhood that he had and being on lunch boxes and shit mm-hmm you know yeah this um, the, the the they never really play they i think they underplay the fact that he is also basically a child star like yeah that 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 is one of a host of traumas and it is nowhere near as you know traumatic as say like the action man waking you up by pul- by by dry firing a gun next to you and saying not today yeah <laughs> yeah no, it's just it's just an additional humiliation that mm-hmm. all of his traumas became <laughs> beloved entertainment. entertainment for millions yeah it's like it's like boy fights yeah baby buster's boy fights <laughs> busty busty venture um the uh so he's he's just chatting with with orpheus mm-hmm. you know uh, he's converted the library into a dream home Th- this uh this episode is great for me uh fantasizing about living in the venture compound because i love dr venture's bedroom mm-hmm. and then i also love dr orpheus's library yeah mm. like that is how i have tried to model my office right now i have big tapestries of bookshelves up on the wall <laughs> to try to get dr orpheus energy nice um and it feels good there's a warm light in here i sure got the impression that dr orpheus doesn't need to uh decorate when he gets to a new place he can just magic it there mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he doesn't have to buy uh tapestries from amazon no no um, <laughs> I, I just i just pictured him building each of the, all of those nice built-in bookshelves and stuff and uh i don't mm-hmm. know i've reached the point in my in my life as an old man where i look at that and think that'd be nice but that'd be really expensive <laughs> <laughs> it's only money man it's only money like, uh, <laughs> yeah spend all your time there that's um, true <laughs> um so orpheus and dr venture are having a little doctor off you yes. know talking you know like your know, dr venture is revealed last episode not really a doctor orpheus says that you know uh his his title was bestowed by a higher power uh, yeah. but he went to an upstate community college where he majored in communications and minor to women's studies <laughs> um which you know which is great uh and he's basically calling out rusty uh because he uses his lab to create abominations right um something has happened with his latest invention kind of uh leading us to our a plot in this episode mm-hmm. um while this is happening they're doing like cutaways because dean has gone to his dad brock has gone um to wake up brock or no sorry mm-hmm. hank has gone to wake up brock there we go mm-hmm. sorry yeah. um <laughs> because uh hank is worried about helper helpers laying around in pieces brock of course you know has got this killer instinct he reaches out to strangle him <laughs> this is this was a real weird moment in my life because i remembered uh a time that i woke up my dad and he got really aggro at me because i surprised him oh yeah like mm-hmm. he wasn't a former navy seal or anything like that he just like like he didn't like and he didn't hit me or choke me right but he just like got real in my face because he was like quite frankly, strung out on drugs. Well, <laughs> but yeah. you know, like yeah, do it. yeah. T- taking a coke nap. <laughs> but the uh, uh, <laughs> of some kind. But it, this that 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 reminded me of this. 
Yeah. Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> like he, gra- he grabs Hank by the throat. And I, I love this scene transition because like, oh, you got to stop sneaking up on me. Hank's like rubbing his throat and he says, Brock, is it okay if I cry? Yeah, the, I, the, the, you got strangled. Incredible line read. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about what Brock must have replied with. And I think the answer is he didn't say anything and he just went to go start doing pull-ups. Yeah, he's got he's, he's to gotta get his reps in. <laughs> He's modeling his behavior uh, here. Th- this is a, a really big episode for for Hank and Brock, though, which is one of my favorite relationships in the show. Mm-hmm. And this episode, this like real hangouty B plot yeah. that happens with them for a while is so like sweet and good. <laughs> like, you know, Brock just tolerates like Hank hanging out, being a Hank, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just really, really cute. Um, you know, I love it. I, they, they're putting on music here. Um, you know, Hank is pulling tapes out. Like, which one is this? There's music in the background, which is music that uh, Doc and Jackson made. Um, the name of the song that they made for this is called Hobbit Ride, parenthetical, to the Midnight Son of Valhalla. I love it. Uh, <laughs> really <right>. good. <laughs> uh, and the band is called the Astro Bass Go Fife and Drum Corps featuring Billy Nine. Also mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Um, but he won't let him play in for the out in through the outdoor because that's when Zepp sold out. Yeah, they start um, using synthesizers. <laughs> well, it's it's the one. Um, I think that's the album after uh, what's his head died. It, yeah, no, it, their, was, it was right, dead right last before. Album. Yeah, it was. Oh yeah, no, no, that's that's Coda. That's oh. the one where they made it out of clips. This is the one right before that. But he had died between its like recording and release or something. Mm, something mm. is that? Do, do you know Gwen? I I just know it's their eighth and and final recorded project that's the my extent of it yeah i know that it was like uh it has something to do with the drummer drowning in his own vomit with yeah Mm -hmm. john bottom yeah yeah um but uh it's not just because he doesn't like that album he has memories associated with it it's 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 molotov um Mm -hmm. uh, in production order we have not seen her uh yet uh like brisby comes later uh that would be the mm-hmm. proper introduction we see her later on here but that's who he's referring to but hank is like hank all of his bad memories have to do with shit that his dad exposed him to so it was like oh does it remind you of frogmen does it remind you of soldiers does it remind you of ninjas mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when he says it's a woman he's like uh you know it's the only one i ever loved you happy now? <laughs> and I love like, no, no. <laughs> because you stabbed at me. And then, <laughs> and then uh, you're all right, Hank. Like Head Ruffle is so fucking sweet. Yep. Like it's so dumb that this this show makes me want to have a family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the worst show for it. But I was just like, man, I need a big brother. Yeah. In Am a I way, to go into that program. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Gary, are you under the impression that Wait, you you're going to be a little brother? No, 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 I need a big one. I want a block. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a sixty-year-old man. I, I, it's, it's, no, it's Gary, your senior. your big brother would be twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> his name would be Ken. He'd be a graphic design major, uh-huh. and we'd hang out and go to arcades on weekends. <laughs> oh, okay, Ken has a lot to teach you. Yeah. So, uh, Hank with that tape. Yeah. Okay. Hank with that tape. The your big clue that it's Molotov when you get to her in Brisby is that she says the last time she sees Brock was at the Laser Zeppelin show in Prague. Ooh, oh yeah. So okay. Dark Souls yeah, DNA yeah. there. Yeah, that's um, excellent. Yeah, mutual uh, <laughs> Zepp appreciation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the whole all of the Brock Hank stuff is so so good in this episode, and this is where they really start to nail in the Brock as the mom dynamic that the family mm-hmm. really functions under. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And that led to, if you guys can get yourself back into 2004 brain, there used to be an old Venture Brother conspiracy theory that when they found out the cloning was the, the way of the land, De- Dean was uh, theoretically Rusty's clone and Hank was Brock's. I, I mm. recall that. Yeah. yeah. Later disproved. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I could believe it just based off like a few season one episodes, if that's all you had to judge it off of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and then later we would find out, you know, it's just like Hank got a little <laughs> bit more of his granddad's DNA, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, but the, um, you know, the idea that like, and, and so did Jonas uh, Jr., <laughs> you know, as well, weirdly enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that makes sense. I remember reading about that. Um, I was, I, when I was watching the show contemporaneously, I did go to some websites about it, but they weren't like message boards. That was before my like, you know, I, I, I would conceive of going to a message board to look up fan theories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just like a little too like internet noob yeah. for that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think this is just one of the few shows that I ever was doing that for. Be- just because the weights between seasons were intolerable. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Yeah, that's 100% true. And every time between seasons, I would do like a series rewatch. So it became this weird shell run. <laughs> yes, exactly. <experience>. Yeah. <laughs> it's even so even to this day, like the, the last season, the most recent season, I've only seen once, yeah. um, you know, because I was doing that shell run thing. I want to do like a full just like comfort rewatch uh, of the show soon. Uh-huh. Um, you know, maybe next week during Thanksgiving break, um, before we cover it for the show and then just refresh my memory, yeah. but I haven't done it. So there's, there's later episodes. I just don't know that well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, this is also where they do the thing where Hank is doing this, uh, balancing quarters on his elbow thing, <laughs> uh, talking about scuba. And this is a really well-observed again, something that I can imagine like a lot of doc hammer episodes. Yeah. Maybe didn't read that funny on the page but is really good in the the delivery. Yeah, it's like, oh, what's mm-hmm. the joke about him saying scuba over and over again? You have to hear it out loud for the word to lose meaning. Yeah, and just Brock being game. Mm-hmm. Scuba, you know, while doing pull-ups. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good, scuba. Them just going back and forth, it's so cozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, like, I wonder if that is, do we know if they recorded this dialogue together? I, we, I did, we don't know. Yeah, uh, presumably I, so. Presu- yeah, you know, uh, like I, yeah. I actually don't think so. I don't think no, because I think Chris McCulloch kind of does his because he has to do the most voices. I think he's just in the studio a lot doing his own lines. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, it just it, I, I would it would be easy to believe that this is that, that like like that relationship is so good because public and uh, what's the name Warburton get along. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like they they were friends. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but we cut back over to, uh, you know, the, 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 the Orpheus's and we meet Triana. Uh, Triana is, uh, is, uh, Dr. Orpheus's daughter, uh, you know, Dr. Orpheus is a single dad. Um, there's mm-hmm. a heartbreaking line, you know, as, as, as Dr. Orpheus is describing this, like, oh, you know, she thinks, she thinks there's still hope that we'll get back together. No, she doesn't. It's him. No, she doesn't. <laughs> like the fact that he thinks that is really embarrassing like yeah. the follow-up episode for that relationship um the better man i think is a really good episode yeah of the show as well um mm-hmm. for dr o character development mm-hmm. and uh yeah uh gwen you said that you had some some triana type yes five. yes i do uh so augustus st cloud first of all uh last episode you guys were talking about <laughs> mia baron and you uh basically brought up the story of lisa hammer who's actually the voice actress of triana 
Uh, Triana is voiced by uh, Doc Hammer's ex-wife. That's why she eventually just fell out of use. And she like they were already divorced by the time Triana had her final appearance on the show. So it's like they stayed amicable enough to work on season four together. But that's why she was written out of the show. I'd have no idea why Molotov was eventually written out of the show. She just doesn't appear past season five. Right. Well, it, that that actually makes tons of tons of sense. Just in terms of like when they talk about Molotov, um, the mm-hmm. art book, they talk about how season one she is and how it like is a concept that never evolved. Yeah. Uh, for for my mistake about the the wife thing, I am going to uh, commit pod sepico. Sepico. Mm. <laughs> Uh, and I, yeah, I am embarrassed uh, for mixing up those act- actresses. And thank you, Gwen, for mm-hmm. granting us. Yeah, mm-hmm. appreciate it. Um, but beyond that, Triana has a pretty short but sweet story arc. As she exists more in an objective sense than than from a perspective sense. Uh, Triana is there to show the contrast of what Hank and Dean are like versus a normal teenager in this universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Triana is just a teenager-ass teenager. She likes her uh, weird goth rock post-punk music. She's she's Doc Hammer as a teenage girl. I think we can all <laughs> agree on I, that. He, uh, he, Doc Hammer describes her as an amalgamation of all of his girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that, he, that he's ever had. Um, and the idea, um, one of the things that they bring up in the art book about Triana that I really like is that she's a subversion of the goth kid. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I recently, I've had Beetlejuice on the brain. Uh, <laughs> and she's, she's not like Lydia Dietz, who mm-hmm. is like talking about how she's strange and unusual and <laughs> basically threatening to commit suicide constantly in that movie. Yeah. Um, you know, Triana isn't like that. Triana is pretty well adjusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just likes she, the fashion and the music. Yeah. She's the normal one. Like, especially yeah. when you're like, when you got Hank and Dean as your neighbors, like, and how are you? not the normal oh, and Dermot. yeah and eventually Dermot. Yeah. yeah like as far as the kid crew like you know triana is definitely the best adjusted yeah and like uh, it's it, it's funny because like you know she grew up with a necromancer for a dad like you know she takes a lot of that as red but like her story arc as it becomes clear that she has powers and you know kind of the tension over what dr orpheus wants for her versus what her mom and the universe one for her um, <laughs> is very sweet as well. And like how that in a very uh, like heartwarming, but also bittersweet way takes her away from Dean, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Yeah. Um, we're introduced to Dr. Orpheus's cat. Uh, here. Simba. <laughs> Uh, Simba, they talk about is like, oh, she's in heat. You know, he's an affectionate young lass. He's like, well, I heard if you take a Q-tip. Uh, now, this is uh, something they also spend some time on the the, the commentary talking yeah. about, which I never heard of before. Yeah. I had to look it up. And they, the, the commentary, which is very bro but still, you know, made me laugh, where they were talking about, like, you basically... I didn't. I had no idea that this was real. The idea is that you get get your cat off. Yeah. Like, you do, you do have sex with your cat. Uh, mm, to relieve mm, them of this tension. Mm, red you know? rocket. No, thank you. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Don't want. Like, you know, <laughs> lady, lady cat. Like with a, with a Q-tip, man. Mm-hmm. It's 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 real fucked up. And she's like, oh, I tried that. It's like couldn't even make eye contact with her. And then uh, that's what happened to Doc Hammer. Doc Hammer tried that with his cat. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, couldn't couldn't handle it. You, you guys don't um, have it in the notes, but the best part about this exchange to me is like afterwards, Doc Venture is like, that's not your wife, is it? <laughs> no, I've never heard. Like, yeah, that's not like a, a, a magical animal form. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, this is just Simba. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and late, later, you know, uh, there'll be more about his cats, mm-hmm. uh, him having all those cats. <laughs> uh, I love uh, Dean and Triana having breakfast and trying to to make conversation here. You know, she's she's like, you know, your name's. Uh, don't you have a nickname? And he says, "Well, I've heard my dad call me Dave or Don a few times, but I don't think it's a nickname." <laughs> I missed that uh, line. That's really good. It's, it's really, really good. good. Yeah. Uh, my father has a has a policy never to negotiate with terrorists for our lives. <laughs> uh, just Dean with the like absolutely heartbreaking lines. Uh, but he he calls out her blouse, like asking if she's a pirate. Uh-huh. Uh And she she says an Adam and the Ants kind of retro thing. Um, I didn't know Adam and the Ants very well. Uh, I knew uh, Adam Ant, the way that he reinvented himself to be a pop star. Mm-hmm. But I went mm-hmm. back and watched some videos of Adam and the Ants, and I was like, oh, like, check out this this video for, uh, you know, uh, Stand and Deliver. He's dressed as a pirate. Mm-hmm. And then YouTube was like the next video, and he's like, oh, he's also dressed like a pirate. Yeah, he's dressed like, they dress like pirates. It was, it's <laughs> yeah. so weird. It's like the Bloodborne band. Like, it's like all tri-corner <laughs> hat. Like, and then later, the main thing I knew Adam Ant from was the 1992 single uh, Wonderful, mm-hmm. uh, which is like a pretty catchy like radio middle of the road pop song but it's so funny that in the 80s he was this like post-punk pirate guy <laughs> who wrote songs about being like a raider essentially yeah. and then was like no, no no i'm not adam and the ants anymore i'm just adam ant it's my normal last name and <laughs> you I like the song to sound like, like the martin yeah okay. yeah uh, um, just incredible stuff a more generous read on their aesthetic would be that they look like a gang from the warriors Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, low key, a very good episode that I don't, that I don't hear talked about when you, when you see the, the gang of Morlocks who live under the compounds, worshiping yeah. the missile and stuff like that, or, you know, filling the missile mm. with, 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 with shit. The fact that all that they get is VH1 classics, like a good the fire starter. Yeah. A, a good third <laughs> of them are dressed like Adam and the Ants characters. It's really good <laughs> <laughs> characters, band members, you know, just because yeah. that's the, that's the characters whole character. AKA basis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the bassist is always the character. <laughs> you could say in the story, the basis is the character. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You guys ever watch um Tom Hanks's That Thing You Do? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh sure, yeah. The one band member he doesn't name is the bass player, and if you look at the credits, his name is TV Player. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. God. Rest in peace, Fountains of Wayne guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Rest in peace. Um yeah, so this is this is very sweet. As they're kind of making small talk, Mm -hmm. and I love that they're both just trying their best. Yeah. You know, again, this episode just having this immense amount of sweetness, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where Trina is just like, you called it a blouse? <laughs> you know, who's that guy who's always washing his car yeah. in the yard? I, oh, that's Brock, <laughs> you know, just kind of excitement. Well, and then just like he, he tells the story like it's not a horrifying thing. One time I saw Brock kill a guy with a sock full of party snaps, which that's sounds great. like something from the Anarchist Cookbook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did uh, the wait, guy's head off? Yes, it did. Is that like a like a party cracker? Is that what a party snap is? You know those like uh, a party little... snap is one of those yeah little paper things full of like pebbles and gunpowder. Yeah, yeah you just like, you like throw it at the ground. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that like just you know as as a kid you just throw them at adults' feet. You know, yeah. to <laughs> 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 you know, to let them know who's boss. 
(laughs) (laughs) The childocracy of the Ross home. (laughs) The, um, yeah, yeah, those things, uh, like, it's so funny, like, they're called party snaps, because, like, you can tell it's time to party. (laughs) We have have to go outside and use this, or it'll stay in the carpet. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I love uh, the underperforming fireworks, like that, and then those little worms. Oh, the snakes? Oh, God. Like a little snake, if you just want to see, like, a turd slowly grow, (laughs) and then just have, like, a, irritate, like, a a gross mess. (laughs) (laughs) So a picture of a badass, like, cobra on it. But you have to buy them because you you'll have like a dollar or two left over when you go buy fireworks so mm-hmm. yeah. what are you going to spend that dollar or two on yeah yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh th- this this is where we, we we get the line about the about the box my pop made uh we learned about the, mm-hmm. the the learning beds like oh it plays us like film strips and stuff like that um yeah um which you he uh you know she challenges him he's like you know i'm uh, it gets very hot in the box, the box my pop made. When she questions about this, he says, penguins have a gland above their eyes that convert seawater into freshwater, which is true. Uh-huh. It's called the super op- uh, opt- optical gland. Mm-hmm. Ocular gland. Yeah, and, so that's a real thing. And apparently, like, super if, orbital. If, if, you, if you look on the on the wiki, um, you know, they, they've got like all of the uh, pop culture references and stuff like that. Some of them are reaches. Uh, but this one, apparently that's like a Snapple cap fact. Like just straight up, oh. like like uh, read verbatim. So one of them was drinking a Snapple, and like, <laughs> oh, let's throw this fact in just as a thing that he recites reflexively. <laughs> no, super good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we cut back to uh, Brock fixing helper and Hank trying to help him. Um, and there's a little miscommunication uh, here where he's trying to get a, a wrench and stuff. This goes on for it feels like a beat too long to me. Yeah. Um, until Hank eventually goes into the joy can um, and this thing makes you see your dreams and mm-hmm. how much when watching this, were you like, I want to be in the joy can. Yeah. I mean, you know? with a couple of, you know, let's say catches associated with the joy can, the joy can sounds like a miraculous thing. <laughs> it was making me think about how susceptible I'd be to BTL chips. If I was in Shadowrun. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I'd like, oh, I'd be one of those guys rotting in a computer cafe. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, Gary, let me let me pose you this this scenario. A, a man okay. comes up to you and says that mm-hmm. I have a joy can. No further okay. questions. Do you want in? You, not with no further questions, because <laughs> I would have thing. to make a lot of assumptions about them knowing, <laughs> like, a common understanding as to what the joy can was, like, in some of this reality. Right. And I have a joy can. Do you want in? Sounds like a come on to me. <laughs> You know, like he's got a flashlight in his pocket. Yeah, if I, in his pocket. If I'm lucky, like it, it, it just. It, like, oh, uh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, no. but it's heartbreaking what the joy can decides to show you, or at least Hank, because like Hank's vision, you know, what his pineal gland tells him he wants is his dad asking to play catch, and we hear uh, the the voice of what he assumes is his mom, or what he imagines his mom sounds like, saying, "Oh, lunch is ready. It's grilled cheese sandwiches, and I cut the crusts off." Like, oh mm-hmm. god, he just wants like a a, a normal childhood. <laughs> How does he know yeah. what a normal childhood yeah. is? <laughs> this is this is extremely nitpicky. Um, like, I understand why, you know, the boys have their separate plots in this. Yeah. 
I don't feel like Hank does want a normal childhood. No. I think this is like a Dean storyline. Yeah. This is a season one Hank decision for sure. Yeah. Like if this was a season two Hank, they would have given him something way different in there. He'd, he'd be Batman. He'd have been the Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. He, you know, he, he would have been like, he takes after Brock. He likes the adventure. Like he's mm-hmm. that part of, of Rusty. Um, it felt very weird for him to come in and just be like, oh, it's, it's like home bliss. I think he would be bored by that. Yeah. yeah. You know, he wants to go see a dead body with Dermot. Mm-hmm. You know? So it, it they, is very season one. Yeah. Yeah. They try to establish earlier in the episode that Hank wants some kind of normal family by saying like, you know, the da- doc's always too busy to help them with anything. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it doesn't pay off. No. Yeah. Um, when Brock goes in, Brock tries to get him out and gets tempted by the joy machine. Um, and we get the flashback to his, his actual origin where he's killed the, uh, the football player mm-hmm. who they decided to make, um, a deaf guy. Uh, to, you know, they were doing this in the, the studio booth and just did it as a funny voice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are very, de- you know, defensive, like we're not making fun of deaf people. Like we had somebody come in and do the subtitles, uh, who was like a sport and we paid him and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we just wanted to make this extra tragic. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of notes to this that I think are very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the, in Brock's fantasy, the football player says, don't worry, Brock, it was my fault. I shouldn't have tried to run. I should have just given you the ball. <laughs> Which is really fucked up and weird for football. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's my fault. That's, that's incredible uh, to me. But the, like, um, another thing that's hilarious, like, they're on the same team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's real weird. Uh, and then in the commentary, they tell a story about the guy that came in to do the little picture-in-picture uh, sign language thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that he interpreted reading lips is no matter what question Jackson Public asked, he interpreted it as, so where do you live? Right, right. So no matter what he would ask, he would answer his with, address. With, with, with an address, yeah. Yeah, which I think is funny. Like, I'm not trying uh-huh. to make fun of deaf people at all. I just think that's pretty funny if, like, you're just talking to somebody and no matter what. If, they if think you're just in that asking. situation, it'd be very bizarre. Yeah, like, I, I, I had a lot of, again, like, mirror neurons firing for Jackson Public. Mm-hmm. Just being stuck in that situation uh, and thinking it was hilarious. How, how do I navigate this? Yeah, <laughs> it's not, you know. Uh, it's also a weird thing where the guy kept listing to the side, so they actually had to turn the camera. Yeah, which is why it looks upright. like he's off balance, because he is. Yeah. Yeah, really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah just... Uh, looks, and the, yeah, he super looks weird. super manic in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah. really sure. Like, it, it, like it, I don't know. I don't know if he was just, like, super hyped up to be on camera or what. It's just a little weird looking. Yeah. Oh, so, like, any kind of um, ASL interpreter uh, is always going to be very animated like that? It just, I, really? I, I, I only know that because I was like, w- w- when I see my governor talking about coronavirus... And they have the they have the sign language interpreter on there. Why are they so animated? And I looked at that just like, oh, it needs to be as broad as possible so people can interpret it. Also, this guy he w- he was not somebody who grew up learning ASL. He um, feel kind of even the, this bio for a guy whose name I don't know. Uh, no, he he recently became deaf because of a medical condition, and he was learning um, ASL as a uh, as an adult. So like mm. he's not doing good ASL when he does this. Yeah, it's, it's sloppy. Yeah. I saw that note too. Like he he fumbles one sign specifically and makes the yeah. verbiage weird. Mm-hmm. He basically just says football death, football death. Yeah, uh, is what they say, which is you know, <laughs> basically gets it across. Yeah, <laughs> you know, 
but th- this is, you know, Brock's fantasy. Uh, and then like after he's forgiven for killing, mm-hmm. he goes right back to it. Yeah. You know, like, okay. uh, as, as soon as he's absolved from his original sin, it's just time to kill ninjas. <laughs> you know, Brock is, does, is born to do what he does. Is yeah. everything that Hank listed earlier in this fight? Um, no, there are no frogmen. No, the, fro- no. the frogmen are in the sidecar, uh, that the, pa- that the, oh, um, with the, with uh, the, the polar bears are on. Yeah. With the polar bear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there, I guess I got confused because there are things that, uh, Hank doesn't list. Right. For sure. Here. He doesn't yeah. list the cowboy with the flamethrower. Like definitely influencing <laughs> his subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the ninjas. It's the guy with it's the uh, the polar bears on motorcycles. The ninjas are in the or sorry, the frogmen, the scuba guys are in the sidecar uh, with the machine gun mm-hmm. kind of stuff coming at him. Like they, they're just literally the scene was almost the dumbest thing we could think of um, <laughs> to have to have him fight to just gleefully to to, to gleefully slaughter in his own personal Valhalla in the joy can. <laughs> yeah, the joy can. Uh, Orpheus is going to go check out the lab and try to solve this uh, problem. I love this little skull answering machine thing he has <laughs> leaving messages. Like, I want one of these. Uh-huh. You can probably super, r- r- cool. rig one up with like a start, like a, a raspberry Pi or an Arduino or something. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to have my skull made into one. Oh, um, <laughs> Gary, we have plans for your skull. It's been several years since we talked about it, but I think it's, I think it goes to Brian yeah. Wade. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm, I'm just trying, trying to tell Brian what I want him to do. Oh, right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, I want to be a prop replica from a show that got canceled. <laughs> um, this is where the, uh, the pudding line comes from. Mm, yes. You, know, you may, you you may enjoy the sex. contents of one of them. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, so good. Um, but like it's, but it's, you know, Orpheus and, and venture go to leave. And again, one of these cozy moments that would not work well on the page, but works good here. They close the door. It waits a beat. And then Orpheus comes back and checks it. He opens the door. He says, no, I told you the door was unlocked. It's like, oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) Again, relatable. Very relatable. Yeah. And that, that's the first time they really play with his music for straight comedy. Like as they, (laughs) they, they are playing the, that trumpet line as they exit the door and then it cuts out and it's silent for just a moment before Mm -hmm. he opens it back up. Excellent timing. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good at it. (laughs) Um, Dean is in the bedroom wearing a Burger King crown, looking like Jughead, uh, (laughs) pretending to kiss his hand, um, which again is also a teen thing. (laughs) Is it Gary? Um, Sure. Okay. You know, when you're young, you learn about kissing before you do it. Okay. Sure. Yeah, okay. Listeners, rise up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gwen, you ever, you ever do that? Is this, is this just me? Um, I think I can't go with you there, Gary. I'm sorry. Uh, I always okay. wondered about that. I saw it on TV a lot. So mm-hmm. it's like, clearly there's some truth to it. To so someone. at least me and some actors did it. Maybe it was an 80s thing. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Could be because I'm old. Yeah, it could be because you're old you as know? shit. You used to kiss your hand. It's before we, it's before we had some uh, Scott Adams teledildonics <laughs> e-mouths. By the time... I had the Cinco by, e-mouth back then. Yeah, by the time I hit puberty, we had the internet. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you could just load up virtual Vicky or whatever. Like, that's, the only, that's the only... Do you remember that? Like, that's like a weird... Yeah, I remember virtual yeah. Vicky. What, what, yeah. what was that? That was like Clippy or like Bonzi Buddy, but it was a lady? Yeah, it was like a sexy Bonzi Buddy. Yeah, okay. Oh my god. Can you know, can <laughs> can I get a neurotic Bonzi buddy. 
<laughs> can you show, uh, computer, can you show me sexy baldy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can, can, can I get something in a uh, cover letter that will make me horny? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Orpheus goes in, he's trying to fix things. Rusty's explaining the pod and he's really, he's really proud of this, right? He's saying mm-hmm. like, and you know, like, oh, it creates an electrochemical link to the user's pineal gland. Uh, well, I love that as a, as a from beyond kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, it, it gives them whatever they want the most. It's the joy can literally like a lotus yeah. eater machine kind of thing. <laughs> it's also, it, this is a great invention. Uh-huh. Like there, there's a twist as to what is powering it. Yep. But like, I love doc is kind of can do science. Yes. Like this, this is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. as, as an invention. Um, and he has, has the worst possible name <laughs> uh, in, the, in the joy can, um, mm-hmm. you know, when he's showing it off, like it's, it's got these neon, uh, neon bits that Dr. Orpheus mentions, mm-hmm. uh, like inventions have to have a certain venture panache, uh, which I love. Got to add some zazz. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, Orpheus is still unsettled by this. There is something that reeks of the beyond. Yea, though I have smelt it, that hath dealt it. He says, mm. oh, very good. Um, <laughs> He trips over Hank. It's weird that they don't see Hank uh, until until he trips over him. Um, trips over Hank, and Hank is trying to explain like the box in the machine, but they won't listen. No, he's not supposed to be in the delivery. lab. <laughs> yeah, you're, you know, don't don't sass for guest. Gotta be firm. Give him in. They think they're a ruler. <laughs> he screams at his son and says, "Hank, march! Like, get the fuck out of here." Uh, just he a, says it in a Brock voice. He does. Like, Hank, March. <laughs> like, Mar. Yeah. Homer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is maybe a tone he, I don't think he ever uses in the series again. No, Mm-mm. no. Well, he just, he, he eventually no. stops caring about them. He stops, like, uh, even, like, talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we cut inside the joy pod. Uh, Brock has had enough of violence. So what flies in but a bed with Molotov on it? Uh, mm-hmm. She's not given an, an, a name here, but this comes after Brisby. So we know who this is. Um, she jumps on him like weakly to hit him. But then she's in bed. What's that? It's not. There's there's more. Let's let's not undersell this. Like she does the <laughs> the Bond villain, like putting her crotch in his face to like you know, twist his neck or whatever. Yeah. Like, so she's sitting kind of crisscross applesauce, like crotch to face hitting his head. Yeah. And he just walks stoically to the bed <laughs> and she's so tiny. It's like, she's a mask. Uh- <laughs> it's it's <laughs> such a weird animation. It's like a kind of lingus, like, like Cinco mask. Oh, there are some, there are some really weird frames in this episode. Like I caught Orpheus's face looking real odd at a few oh, times. The, the straight on shot. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's incredibly weird. Like Orpheus <laughs> fl- straight to the camera looks really weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. So, and th- this is the, the fantasy about her losing her, her chastity belt. Mm-hmm. So they can go all the way. Yes. She says, um, promise me something. Promise you won't be gentle. So yeah. uh, we don't, we don't, don't we don't see this in, in, in his fantasy. We see what's happening in real life, which is him just vigorously fucking the air with his clothes on. <laughs> while like slamming it around yeah. and stuff and making Brock sex noises, making this like now, like we're like six episodes into this and like the fourth appearance of Brock sex noises. <laughs> it's it's an lot. important part of his character. <laughs> yeah. It's got it's two speeds. <laughs> um, yeah. 
so the, the reason why they can't get uh, anybody out of this is because the lock is on the inside um, of this thing, which is, you know, extremely dangerous for something that uh, sends you into a fantasy land. Uh-huh. Uh, but Rusty says it's for masturbating. Yes, it is, you know, it's for like, you know, hanky-panky, a lonely kind of hanky-panky. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, and, and like, that's not the part that 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 uh, Doctor Orpheus is like against. Like, he says, like, oh, this is like, again, this is a miraculous invention. He doesn't, he doesn't care about that. It's a design flaw for sure. <laughs> Don't take me out of this. I will lock you out. I'll die in here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which you know again sounds pretty good. Oh yeah. Um. The the uh. So Hank goes to go tell uh Dean. This is my you know my my favorite delivery in the in the episode <laughs> is him being like you know Dad's made the joy joy cam, but now it's evil. <laughs> and Dean just saying, I dare you to make less sense. <laughs> like the confidence of that line read is so good. Yeah. Um. And Isn't they, this the uh, same they, scene where like Dean gets right up and just falls over? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He just gets a head <laughs> yeah. rush and falls over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the commentary, Doc Hammer talks about how proud he was of that joke. Yeah. It's like people would like would be calling it out for years. You know? <laughs> it really just um, reads as a pratfall. It just reads as him being a gawky teen. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's a, so they're going to wear tinfoil hats is their idea. Um, they also talk a lot uh, about how hard it is to animate tinfoil mm-hmm. because it's a reflective surface. So it just looks like gray paper. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Um, like there are certain like animator or visual design, it just kind of like fixations that happen where the, the just they end up like, I fucking hate that. I never want to see that again. It's awful. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think this looks terrible. It reads as tinfoil because it's on their heads and they're going into a magical machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think public is yeah. just being a little bit fussy. <laughs> they and they had another character in like season six. I actually linked that in the Slack earlier for unrelated reasons. And he's wearing tinfoil. It looks okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. like they were so against tinfoil to never touch it again. Yeah. Well, I think they, they talk about that they're like advancements. They talk about doing it later and it being um, <laughs> like looking better. Animation. <laughs> yeah, like looking better, but looking almost too real. And I had a moment like where I was like in the commentary and I'm like, you literally, you are the only people who care about this. <laughs> the idea of tinfoil looking too real is, mm-hmm. it's not even a first world problem. It's like a zeroth world yeah. problem. <laughs> work, f- fucking Negative first. Gary, work with animators, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I prefer not. I, I, I think all right. I've, I've seen that Ren and Snippy documentary. I know where this is yeah. going. Yeah. I, just, I don't I, want to get invited into somebody's joy can just because they're John Kay. There, there are there are a lot of things that like that pop up specifically from public in the uh, in, in the book and in the commentaries where I was like, for fuck's sake, you're the reason projects were delivered late, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, almost a hundred percent. Like, yeah. the, like these guys definitely. As as great as the show is, like it's clear that they, sometimes they were just focused on the absolute wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. The dumbest <laughs> shit. Um. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like, there's a little bit of insight that you get uh, from that. Like, uh, reading the book where they talk about, um, or, or it's in the book or the commentary, but they talk about how the broad strokes strokes they uh, agreed about, but then all of like the editing and really minor like timing things they disagreed about. Mm-hmm. And then it ends up making sense in terms of like fussy perfectionism, yeah. because mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that like ultimately takes, you know, the most time. Like it's, it's kind of a cliche that ideas are cheap, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's really just the uh, doubling or, or having kind of like a time multiplier on the time it takes just for them to do the fine details. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, it made sense to me as a creative relationship. Yeah. Um, when the boys go in, they're shielded from the full effects of the joy cam, mm-hmm. uh, joy can, 
Um, they see Scamp, second appearance <laughs> of Scamp. Um, but it, Scamp is clearly like a holodeck illusion. Yeah, he like jumps you know, through Hank. Uh, Scamp has all of his skin here, so yeah, so that's they good. can't they can't get out, but they're not you know in a fantasy like Brock is. Yes, they're just the door just disappears and they can't find it, but they're here, and this is where they see you know Brock vigorously fucking the air. Orpheus is on the outside. He tries to cast a spell of opening, which is very effective for everything on, on the compound except for the joy can. Yeah, <laughs> this is a like you know, great little one-off joke um here uh so the the boy is to rescue brock they're gonna pee on a shirt to kind of make it like tinfoil or, uh, yeah <laughs> that, that, that works that, that adds up. they could have just they could have just brought the roll of foil with them yep which mm-hmm. this leads into brock's line in just a moment so <laughs> they didn't really think mm-hmm. anything through <laughs> so he admires their spirit he does um god I, lo- I love this story beat because again it shows exactly you know it's it's more more evidence for how monstrous how for how monstrous rusty is but the delivery on this is very good orpheus is inspecting the joy can he says hey there's some strain you know there, there's something strange in the material about this and rusty talks around like oh i've used some i've, I've used some non-conventional materials and it, like and eventually it gets down to this just very good sheepish delivery where he's like it's a little orphan it's just a little orphan boy <laughs> he it's, says it's it really so like, quietly it's very art- it's articulated really well i like that how dr orpheus has to tease it out yeah because there's a part where he's like i may have used some unorthodox materials and dr orpheus says tell me one of them which is a way to, <laughs> just tell like, me one <laughs> to, it's a way to avoid a dodge uh-huh. you know like somebody's trying to answer you know with something non-specific and you're like no no we need to be specific yes um here uh, you know, and it's the, this, you know, it gets darker where he's like, oh, you mean you, this is powered by a forsaken child? He's like, well, yeah, and kind of, I didn't use the whole thing, though, <laughs> which is you know, darker. So one, is this the me- ev- most evil Rusty ever gets? I feel like it might be. I, I mean, the Venture Stein gets pretty rough. Venture Stein's rough, but those people died. They were already dead. Yeah, they were already dead. I, I think whenever I think about Evil Doc, I think a lot about him hiring the uh, itinerant workers. Yeah. And that, that's kind of racist, Doc. <laughs> right. That's, ra- that's racist, evil Doc. doc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is also evil, like a kind mm-hmm. of evil. Uh, I you know, but th- this is, yeah, the orphan is real up there. <laughs> it's, but also like it raises a lot of questions. When did you decide that you needed an orphan? If you disdain magic, why did you know? <laughs> why did you decide to start using this? There's nothing like, it's literally just the most heinous thing they could think of. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think back to the season one or the episode one line about the chupacabra where he scientifically disproves it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, there's clearly magic in this world and he just has some kind of magic blindness and refuses to accept it in any mm-hmm. capacity. Yeah. Well, it's pride. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's his pride. Like he, you know, he was born into science. Science is in his inheritance. Mm-hmm. And if something else has that power and is more efficacious, it takes away from him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's zero fun, zero sum nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if this can yeah. be if this can be achieved by magic, then I am uh, that I am irrelevant. Um, earlier in this, uh, before uh, so with the Orpheus uh, has a vision of the boy and is doing Marco Polo because <laughs> the boy's uh, name was Marco. Yeah, <laughs> he's screaming yep, yep. like he's trying to draw him out. It's like a sounds like Marco, please respond to me. I love the um, you know 
when like Dr. Venture's response to this, like this is the point in which Dr. Venture gets over yes. Dr. Orpheus, where he's like, I knew we were, they were in there. <laughs> like, like this doesn't actually accomplish anything. <laughs> Um, <sighs> they can't get out. They're trapped. Um, right. In the commentary, they talk. Uh, uh, Doc Hammer admits he's like, "I just want the episode to end." Right, right. So like everything the story from... was told, and now it's now it's time to go. <laughs> yep. You know. <laughs> so everything after this is drawing it to a close. Let's just get about yeah. Saint Adventure. Ever like we've we've said yeah. what we need to say. <laughs> yeah, um, I really I really like that. There's a really obscure little reference um, where Orpheus is telling Rusty to get the kids out uh, and telling them to be cross with them. That is a reference to the movie Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking to a ghost, but it doesn't work um, right. because it's not true love. You know? <laughs> like, so you, it, it, you can't draw them out. It's not true love. But uh, <laughs> gosh, Rusty's response to that is, well, it's not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not, not my fault. My kids don't love me. <laughs> Extremely horrible. Yeah. Um, the uh, but Triana shows up. It says Dean's name, and Dean hears it. And true love is what opens the door. Yeah, you know the yeah. la- the last thing the Joy Can shows is a you know a realistic heart above Dean's head that is pierced by an arrow, gushing out blood. They get out, and uh, you know they do a go team venture. Mm-hmm. And, the, um, and and then Orpheus yeah, banishes it. <laughs> yeah, the episode ends like Orpheus uh, banishes it. Uh, you know, Rusty gets upset. He's gonna have to raise his rent mm-hmm. uh, here. And Dean, you know, beautiful Dean delivery. Where he's like, well, I'll see you around the compound. And she's like, you're on the compound. What are you, David Crush? She goes, no. I'm Dean Venture. You, you know, <laughs> I'm Dean. Dean Venture. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then I love this, like, ending where Hank is, like, real smooth. Mm-hmm. Like, really? No. <laughs> Credits. Like, yeah. that's really good. Yeah. God, just <laughs> that, that Hank has a better understanding of this dynamic than he does. Uh, yeah. the, I don't know how I feel about this post-credits because... I mean, so it's a masturbation joke. Rusty wants into the rest, you know, into the bathroom. A that they only have one bathroom in this compound is really funny. Um, mm-hmm. and he asks, like, Dean, what are you, what are you doing in the shower for so long? He says, I'm practicing being a boyfriend pop. I'm like, oh, never mind. the The idea is that he's he's doing the makeouts on his hand, right? Who knows? Probably. Okay, probably. But could, I, I, could I think Yank and Hog. <laughs> it's too ambiguous, but like, I think you're probably right, Cole, that he's probably doing that innocent act. Rusty probably thinks he's masturbating. Right. That's probably the intended joke, but that, it's it's a little too ambiguous for that read. It's the common Dean gag where he unintentionally says something horrible in his innocence. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a, it's a callback to Rusty explaining masturbation to Dr. O, where he's like, oh, no more of this. Hey, Rusty, I just need to get my hairbrush, <laughs> which is a specific <laughs> enough thing where like, right. okay, like, okay, yeah, you know, uh, I think, I think that's the, that's the idea here, but it mm-hmm. is, it is a like kind of a cheap joke, oh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, there's not a whole lot to it, but again, like, it's like Doc Hammer admits to like mm-hmm. the episode's over. Let's go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we did our jokes. Let's continue. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, which which I have no no problem with, mm-hmm. and that's the up. Yeah. Any any wrap up thoughts? Um. Good episode. Good show. Good podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just um, I'm so happy the Doctor O's in the mix. You know, I, yeah. I, I love the I love where his story goes. Um, I love his mm-hmm. crew. Uh, the just the oh, the man. order of the triad is one of my favorite things in the in the, in the show alongside conjectural technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any of the side groups are really, yes. really special. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
Um, I keep <laughs> wanting to pinpoint an episode where the doors blow wide open on the universe. I don't think there is one where they blow wide open, but this is one of the most important layers I feel like they add in the early se- in early episodes. Yeah. Well, the, Dr. O and that whole crew is incredibly important. Like, their whole episodes, you know, it, it's, it's a secondary character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not uh, like a tertiary character or a side character. Like, Dr. Mm-hmm. O gets more developed, even if Dr. O is less tied in the lore than, like, Billy Quizboy and Pete White, he gets more development. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like Pete White gets tons of character <laughs> development. <laughs> right. You know, Billy yeah. Quizboy gets a little bit of an arc, but, like, Dr. O actually uh, is a much richer character, I think. Yeah. I, and it's one of the, it's besides Billy, it's like one of the only earned friendships on Dr. Venture's end. Yeah. Like you actually yeah. get to see him earn somebody's trust and respect. And it's slow because mm-hmm. Dr. Venture's a right cock, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it also, again, it leads to those great moments with Dean, right? Like introducing Triana, the end of the Better Man episode. <laughs> like the, fuck you. <laughs> like as the ending before the credits is one of my favorite, like most relatable mm-hmm. things in this show. Um, you know, I love everything with the Outrider. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's very good. This is, this is a signal of good times, good times are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, the alchemist with that cotton ball story, <laughs> like just, just richness of a specific detail. <laughs> you know, just incredibly good. Oh God, I forgot about the cotton balls. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, it's like, oh, this happened to one of the writers. Uh-huh. I, I can tell. It's so specific. Yeah, way too, it's way too one incident for sure. Yeah. This is specific. Oh, geez. Uh, Gwen, where can people find you online if they would like to uh, check out your stuff or hire you to do music? Um, Probably the best thing, if anyone's in the Slack, is message me on there. But I wanted really bad to get a website together, but I'm failing badly at that. So probably if you want to hear my music, go to my SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash deep whale. Uh, whale as in the animal, not wide whale, the villain in, in Venture Brothers. <laughs> or like a deep whale like uh, Major Tom does. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the third whale. Um, yeah, I recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. Like you've heard the theme song. The theme song to the show is very good. Yeah. Um, Gwen, you've also done some like remixes for some other uh, versions of our shows and stuff, and they're all awesome. Yeah. So oh, I thank you. heartily recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you very much for coming on the show. My pleasure. I appreciate you. Uh, If you're listening and you like the show, you'd like to get it early or support us or get other shows, you can go to patreon.com slash techfeedtv. That is how you get access to the Slack we keep referencing. Uh, You can hang out with us and Gwen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we we, we got, you know, we we, we got a, a whole host of folks. We got Jake Prime. Mm-hmm. We, <laughs> we've got a whole channel uh called the, mm-hmm. Ven- the venture compound to talk uh, talk about mm-hmm. uh this show and the venture brothers it's a good time uh gwen has been running a uh character bracket a minor villain character bracket <laughs> i love it uh, in that channel that has been very fun oh yeah if you're hearing this i'm gonna guess you'll be just in time to start voting on round two so mm-hmm. round one eliminations are already taken care of we got we had some interesting matchups <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but can't see those anymore yeah so get on it folks (laughs) uh but the second best time to uh you know the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago second best time today so (laughs) yeah um, Uh, you can also leave a rating Uh, review on apple podcasts um people have been coming out in force on that uh we are really appreciative okay we we can do the Mm -hmm. go team venture thing now yeah (laughs) and 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 also in addition to that Mm -hmm. also go team venture go team venture